0: Well, here we are, episode 150 of Your Career Podcast. What an amazing journey it's been since I started this podcast two years ago, and hundreds and thousands of downloads later, I'm still going. In fact, just today, I found out that this podcast is ranked in the top career podcasts by MaxList for the second year in a row. What an honor and a huge thank you to MaxList. It means so much to me. Now, every episode of your career podcast is recorded with love, as I am on a mission to make career's guidance accessible and affordable to all who need it and In this podcast, I always provide career tips, encouragement, and support, for example, back way back in episode one, I covered "Are you to?" Old to be hired for the mature age workers. In episode 11, I tell you the top three tips for a standout LinkedIn profile. Episode 32 covers the latest job search trends and watch, what to watch out for. Episode 34 is a deep dive into how to network effectively at a conference even if you're a shy person. And in episode 94, I recorded a beautiful meditation for you with positive affirmations to change your life and provide you with 10 minutes of blissful peace. You never know what I'll share with you next. Now, I've also interviewed over a hundred amazing professionals who've made incredible career changes, from podcast gurus including John Lee Dumas, Colin Gray, to social media influencers such as Gillian Bullock, Chris J. Reed, Adam Houlihan, and Keith Keller. And I've interviewed career changers who've made incredible leaps in job function or industry successfully, including Doyle Bueller, who was a Canadian Air Force pilot and now is a global digital expert? And what about Linda Hill, who runs an incredibly successful beauty therapy recruitment business, and Tyo Roxon and Dory Clark in New York, who are taking the world by storm with their entrepreneurial ventures and thriving after several major transitions themselves. The variety of guests I have is amazing. So thank you from the bottom of my heart for supporting your career podcast. I love providing value, so If you want to help support this podcast, please go to iTunes and leave a review. I'd really appreciate it. And if you ever need career advice... Visit me at janejacksoncoach.com and join the Careers Academy. I provide many free training options, as well as one-on-one coaching sessions for personalized attention and group workshops for corporate and organizations, from how to polish your professional image to career confidence, presentation skills and more. Just give me a call or visit Jane jacksoncoach.com. Now today I'm interviewing someone who has made numerous career changes herself and is now helping to change the lives of many. Enjoy and I look forward to talking to you soon. Welcome back to my Careers Podcast, where I interview fascinating professionals who've made amazing career changes and also provide lots of career advice. Now, today, I'm excited to have Maureen Callister on the show because she's had some fascinating career changes and our careers actually have a little bit of a parallel. So I think you'll find this quite interesting. But before I begin, let me tell you a little bit about Maureen. She is now a specialized kinesiologist and through kinesiology, coaching, Counseling and NLP, Maureen teaches self awareness, happiness, and basically how to make your life easier. As a specialized kinesiologist and master of NLP, Maureen has worked in Australia and in Dubai in the area of health and wellness for 18 years, and she specializes in recuperation and health recovery nutrition and weight loss, anxiety and depression, and teenage stress and mental health. She works holistically to assist clients resolve physical and emotional issues, and she's particularly skilled at identifying the underlying issues that are holding us back from reaching our potential. When these challenges are resolved, we're able to thrive and discover greater personal freedom. So let's welcome Maureen to the show and find out all about her. Welcome, Maureen
1: thanks jade it's lovely to be here thanks for having me
0: well well i'm delighted that we've managed to finally connect because we've been trying to get this together for quite a while and um i I met you through an amazing uh, women's networking group in sydney and i was always impressed by your calm manner so i think as a kinesiologist you're, you're obviously the perfect person to go to and um i'd like to find out how you became a kinesiologist, but before then, to kick us off, how about we find out about your early days and what you were hoping to be when you were a little girl and what you were thinking about when it came to careers?
1: Right at the beginning, when we used to do you know dress up and play and everything, I was always going to be a teacher 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 that was uh, I used to love to hold classrooms with my friends and um stand up in the front and tell everybody you know educate and I suppose that theme's kind of carried on I've never been teacher but I'm kind of coming back to that now um doing my workshops and stuff um but I went into went off to university and studied hotel management um I don't know why I did that. <laughs> it was just one of those things that happened. It seemed like a good idea at the time. I mean, I loved cooking and all that sort of stuff, but, uh, and, but this was uh, in a management role in hotels. So I went off to Belfast because uh, I'm Irish and um, studied that for four years and thoroughly enjoyed it. It was really good. So I got into the um, hotel industry and worked in hotels in function management in front of house management for a few years it's funny how over the years one thing's led me to something else because mm. then it was through working at the hotel that i connected with the recruitment people at british airways and she said we probably crossed paths at that time
0: <laughs> yes that's right yeah. Let, tell tell them the story now this is this is so interesting so <laughs> So in, in the early mid-80s, you joined British Airways. Yes. And funnily enough, so did I. Our <laughs> but, but our paths didn't actually cross for some reason. But anyway, tell us about, about your time at BA.
1: Well, um, it was when I was working at the hotel, what I was going to say is when I was chatting to the recruitment people and, and I was running around organising them and they said, and I said, look, how do I... Um, apply because it was something that really it was something like you dream of like a young girl would have dreamt of being a, a, a stewardess in those days and they said you'd be fabulous because I just got on really well with them so they they organized a ticket for me flew me over to London and it was pretty well home and hosed. I mean I had to do a few mm-hmm. interview things as we were saying the whole interview process was quite extensive mm. but I think I've got a bit of a foot in the door anyway um you
0: so I interesting what would be interesting actually is with that interview process because we had to go through so much mm. so many hurdles to jump over. Let's let's share that story and see if the process was the same for both of us because anyone who's got a panel interview coming up yes. or assessments coming up yes. with regard to their career path might find this quite interesting. I was herded into a massive room for the first cut of several hundred girls, women, uh, to do a
1: written test. Is that what happened to you? I think I might have missed that bit. I think I skipped one or two, maybe mm. because of the connection. I don't remember that bit.
0: Ah, well, it was quite a while ago. It? Yes,
1: it was a long <laughs> time ago. Because, because
0: after after that, you know, the written test, then I had to wait and I thought, oh, what's going to happen? Yes. Then they called me in for some group work. Yes, and I remember that. The group work as well?
1: Yes. And it was really interesting. It was not, it, they weren't, well, I felt like they weren't interviewing me for the job. They were very much interviewing you as um, a really rounded, robust person, I think, because they got you to role play things yeah, and yeah. and solve problems. And you think, what has this got to do with being a stewardess? And uh, it was random, as they'd say nowadays. You see, like it was so unexpected.
0: Yeah, I know. I, I remember thinking because I was so young then that it was quite nerve wracking. They they had they had lots and lots of different groups, and my group we were on a desert island. We were told yes. and we had a pack of matches and a string and something else. And there, I guess there was about Six of us, yep. and then they just left us to it. And I think what they were doing at the time was to see who is a leader, who is a follower, yes. who is innovative, who would freak out, <laughs> who would get really worried. Yes. And I remember I just ended up being very bossy. It's like okay, <laughs> this is what do. and I thought, oh, I've probably blown this. Uh, so I'm not not sure what sort of scenario you were given, but but if in the interview process you're, you're given group work, very often what they're doing is that they they're looking for leadership skills, aren't they?
1: right yes and also to make sure that as you said that you're not going to freak out and lose Mm -hmm. it you you know you've got to be able to sit in the environment Mm -hmm. sit in that room and just be yourself yeah you know yeah Yeah. and then i remember there were oh i had
0: my language test because i speak cantonese yep it's important and then they they offered me the role for international because of yes your language national but then I said I didn't want it and I only wanted short haul because I was married at that time and so then they had to think about it and then I had to go for another panel interview did you get Uh, a panel interview as well
1: yes absolutely Yeah, which and again is terrifying because it's really one on one. I think when mm-hmm. the, you're in a group, I'm quite happy to deflect and you know kind of thing. Yeah, but with panel
0: interviews, the key really is to answer the question to the person who's answer, asking All the right. question, and then including everybody else. Yes. As well. but to cut a long story short, we both made it. And yes. although we were flying in the UK in the mid '80s together, we our paths never crossed. Yeah, I, I know. know.
1: We probably yeah. crossed
0: in the air. <laughs> yes. And so we <laughs> time at british airways what made you decide to make another change
1: i was uh, doing well because of the uh, the points that we used to get and the, the cheap travel i traveled down to australia and it was during the, uh, those early flights, I just thought, oh, I just love this country. It was like I'd come home. I just loved Sydney. And I thought, okay, this is my opportunity to, to have a new adventure. I mean, I was probably in my early to mid-20s. Mm-hmm. So off I went and I came to Australia. And um, a friend of mine was working at IBM. And all, at that time, they just wanted people who had a degree. It didn't really matter what your degree was in. It was obviously to show that, you know, you had the ability to learn and focus. And I chucked I off to IBM and they recruited me doing technical support of all things. And <laughs> so you're I, such
0: a technician. You're...
1: <laughs> not at all. I just can't stand detail. It's just not who I was. But I spent nearly two months learning about bits and bytes and programming. Mm. <laughs> it was mm. so bizarre. Were you any good at it? Not, well, really, the, the truth was we were on the phone doing yeah. uh, support for a, a lot of the big, um, the big companies, the insurance companies and the banks and the big mainframe uh, stuff. So we didn't have to do the bits and bytes. We were really um, the front line of support. And then we, if there was something we couldn't fix, because they had fixes, as they call them, and uh, we would get people solutions. But if we couldn't find a solution that had occurred before, then we passed it off to the real technicians. -hmm. But I was only I was in that then for about two years, and then moved into marketing, which was much more my field. I was much more comfortable with that. To me, that was much more interesting. And I got back out to talk to customers, and you know, be customer service more in the sales and marketing area, Mm -hmm. which uh, it suited me much better.
0: Yeah, and and I noticed that after IBM, you went to Telstra. Yes, was that in a marketing capacity as well? Yes, Yes.
1: Yeah. yeah, yeah.
0: And how did you enjoy your time at Telstra?
1: It was good. It was quite, it, that was a very stressful time because that was the time when Octus had just come into the market. And uh, so it was new to Telstra. I'd come in just at that early stages. It was huge change happening. And they recruited a lot of people from IBM and a lot of the other sort of uh, very forward marketing kind of people, the forward thinking companies. And they loved the IBM training because IBM training was really intense. Their marketing training was, was at that time believed to be the best in the world. And um, so that was quite a big culture shock. You still had a lot of those, uh, the old uh, kind of public sector, um, government institutionalised kind of um, personalities, but that changed dramatically. So that change was huge and very stressful. There was a lot of pressure on all the salespeople. But they didn't have to do sales before, so this whole new sales thing was very new to them.
0: Mm-hmm. I think yeah. when there's so much competition in the marketplace, then, yeah. then it makes organizations concerned as to how they can stay ahead. And yes. obviously marketing is important. Sales is important. Yeah, so you've actually had quite, quite a varied career journey so far, Maureen, from yes. Ireland to yes. London, yes. And from hotels and hospitality <laughs> into the airline industry, yep. and then going from London to Sydney, big jump and a big transition there, joining yep. IBM, in tech, and then in marketing, and then going from IT into telcos with yep. with Telstra, and now you've transitioned into health and wellness. I so, know. so now <laughs> there. So, from Telstra to health and wellness here, connect the dots because I know Dubai plays a part here as well.
1: Yes. So it was during that time at IBM. I'd been there almost ten years, and. It, you know, to be honest, I went through a real... There was a family crisis and also personal crisis. And I think one of the important things that I've learned in life is sometimes the worst things that seem to happen to you, which I think many of your listeners will understand. You know, when we have redundancies or mm-hmm. things like that, you know, it feels like you're never going to get past it. We went through <clears throat> a number of <clears throat> personal crises at that time. Um, and I, I reckon looking back on it, I went through... Um, like a reactive, dep- well, like, a, you know, it was like a br- nervous breakdown almost, to be honest. And I kind of really fell into a bit of a pit. And so I left uh, Telstra and thought I need to just stay home, focus on my family. I had two little kids at the time. My husband actually was was quite ill. That was part of what was going on. But then as you come out of that and things sort of start to settle down and you go, okay, who am I now? What do I want to do? And you really, those times are like the best times to reassess your life and work out what's really important to you. And I had always had a passion for health and wellness. I used to love reading books about herbs and nutrition and stuff like that. So it was during that time when my kids were really young, I took myself off to nature care college and started studying what I thought I was going to do, which I was planning to do naturopathy, which is a really long course. It's quite a long degree. Um, so I did massage therapy, and then I did reflexology and learned all these beautiful skills so that uh, in the short term I could start getting to work and earning some money. And then the next thing was I discovered kinesiology because they encourage you to try different modalities as you, as you go on the path. And uh, it's amazing when something just hits you and you go, oh, this is it. It's like I'm home again. And kinesiology just changed my life.
0: Mm. You, you know, it's it's funny, it, it's well, not funny, it's sad that we have to go through it. But it is so often when you have personal crises yes. that make you reassess what's going on, because so often our lives just tick along. Yes. It sounds like for you as well as for, for me, it's like the career sort of takes over and yes. busy working and then get married or you have children or whatever it might be and life gets really busy and it's all fine and can carry on for years like that until something bad happens yes or something really shakes you up yes and uh whether it's you know emotional or financial or health or some sort of a loss a major loss and this is what happened to me as well i had all the major stresses within a three-year period and it was like right i've got to take care of my life yeah sounds like you did as well and you found something that was truly going to help people through the you know the massage or the reflex and now the kinesiology and the naturopathy as well but with with these changes so so you decided that you know, this was really where you were. This is home. Yeah. This is who you were meant to be.
1: Yes, um, and absolutely.
0: And so when you finished the training, you set up your own practice or, mm-hmm. or exactly what happened?
1: So I set up my own business. I mean, I started off doing the massage because um, you can learn that quite quickly. You can do that within a year or two. And, of course, study is expensive. So this was my little way of, you know, paying for my own study. And because uh, I've always been quite independent. Uh, my husband's the, the main breadwinner, I suppose, at that time. And um, But I wanted to um, support myself. And um, I started doing, and, and, you know, one of the proudest days in my life was probably the first time someone paid me for a massage <laughs> because they weren't paying me um, for something the company provided, like they weren't paying me for for British Airways plane they weren't paying me for telecommunications they weren't paying me for what I provided through computers this was me Mm. and I was providing this service and they were paying me for what I provided for them and it was such a gorgeous feeling I I, like I remember it really really well (laughs) and it was lovely so it was so rewarding and I thought I'd made a difference to someone me personally Mm. and uh, so that was that was terrific yeah. And then I just added on more modalities as I learned them. But the kinesiology was a huge turning point. And when I discovered what kinesiology could do for people, it it took all the guesswork out of everything. You know, I, I actually think everybody should do it. And then, you know, you can learn a bit of self-testing. And you can work out what your body needs and what your body's trying to tell you. But we're so busy being in our heads, we don't connect to our bodies very well. Mm. And kinesiology just cuts through all of that. It goes straight to talking to your nervous system and your subconscious mind. Sorry, I'm jumped straight into my <laughs> now, kinesiology
0: stuff. But, but reining you in a little bit, Maureen, because not everybody <laughs> knows what kinesiology yes. is. So yes. give us a definition.
1: Okay. How I explain it to people, kinesiology means the study of movement. Uh, And it's a very different thing in the States. Uh, Like uh, personal trainers and PE teachers and stuff study kinesiology because it's about how people move, the balance of all the muscles and all that sort of stuff. Uh, Specialized kinesiology means that we use the muscles uh, to tap into your nervous system. So, Most people will understand that the brain, the signals come from the brain down through the spinal cord out into the body and make the muscles move and make everything move and work. I'm just going to turn my phone off. And um, so we use the muscles then to talk back to the nervous system if you like. You can test a muscle and if it stays strong, then um, you've got no stress. But if if that muscle gives way, as we said, if it goes weak, then there's a stress in the nervous system. So it's really quite simple in a, in a physical format. Um, and that gives us access, access to the brain, the mind, the nervous system. And when you get into the mind stuff, when you get into the conscious and also then into the subconscious mind. So it opens up a whole door into stuff that we consciously aren't aware of.
0: Yeah, you know that's interesting. The um, I've I've have a lot of neck problems, right. know, neck and the back between my shoulder blades and lower back as well. And I'm on the computer a lot, and I do a lot of coaching via Zoom as right. as you know we're recording this this podcast yep. today as well. So I'm I'm sitting down a lot, yeah. and then I'm trying to sit up right. I've got a really good chair that I good, uh, but then of course my neck juts forward because I'm mm. looking at the computer and I'm typing, and, and your head's as heavy as a bowling ball, isn't it? So so I've got all of these issues. But the interesting thing was when I went to the chiropractor the other day he was testing me uh, with my hands to see yes. if you work against you know well I'm pressing down you press up just yes. where I was weak and then he started asking me about my stress levels and I thought well, no it's my neck it's my neck so you know I've got a bowling ball head and the, obviously too much brain because so <laughs> and he was shaking his head going no Jane it's not that. that's not what it is <laughs> But, but that that was interesting because that was the, he was testing that, and as you're saying, you know that, that with the stress, and you test all the muscles as well. There must be some parallels with kinesiology and other alternative uh, therapies too, such as osteopathy, yes. and chiropractic, and all of this. So, what what would the difference be between what a kinesiologist, a specialised kinesiologist such as yourself, uh, do, and uh, an osteo osteopath or a chiropractor.
1: Yep. It's good to see that um the the chiropractor's well k- kinesiology came from ch- ch- um, chiropractic work. It was it was a couple of chiropractors who discovered kinesiology and discovered the muscle testing and how you could test a muscle to monitor um the diff- the integration of the muscles and the bones and the joints and all that sort of stuff. Um once so the, the way I explain this to people is your body is driven really by your nervous system, by electrical signals and your endocrine system. So there are signals going all the time from the brain to the rest of your body. Our stress tells your brain how comfortable, and I'm talking emotionally, mentally, as well as physically comfortable in what you're doing and your environment and your expectations of yourself and where you're going and all that sort of stuff. So your brain's perception of how safe or comfortable or, you know, um, am I okay with doing this, then everything's flowing nicely. But once you start to feel like I'm not sure I'm doing a good job, I'm not sure I feel confident about this, I'm not sure if I say this, if it's going to be well received, Uh, I'm not sure if I'm safe going out in the world, then that's a whole different set of signals that go to the body. And it's, that's the fight and flight response. So most people these days understand the fight and flight response. When you're in fight and flight, there's a whole different set of chemicals and a whole different set of signals that get transferred into the body and into the muscles and into the joints and into the ligaments and all that stuff. And it, particularly it affects your digestive system. And as it affects your digestive system, it's affecting your body chemistry because obviously what you eat creates kind of who you are, as they say. And most people's issues around their digestion, around nutrition, really comes from stress. In my philosophy, I've seen it time and time again. If you're in stress and you're in this fight and flight mode, you're getting ready to fight or you're getting ready to run away. So the tension is huge.
0: Does that relate to why some people... Uh, go into like
1: comfort eating oh absolutely Mm. because it's the whole emotional thing you think I don't feel good how can I feel good if I have some chocolate it makes me feel good we're comforting ourselves Mm. so it absolutely is comfort eating Mm. but it's an emotional thing
0: yeah. And, and I guess that's, that's the thing. It ends up spiraling because if people are unhappy or they're concerned with something and then they start to eat and then they put on weight and then because they're stressed, they don't do the things that they previously used to enjoy such that's as going to right. run or exercising, or dance or whatever it might be. And then the, the lack of activity means that they're going to put on weight, additional calories. If we that's know. right. Then it ends up being this, this spiraling downward. Absolutely. And then they realize, oh, I need a kinesiologist. <laughs>
1: <laughs> so, so, so we go in and break those cycles. We look at what is the cycle that's going on here and we look for the core. So um, as, I, as you said in the intro, my um, favorite thing to do is to go, where did all this start? Where do we go to find the core of this? And it's most often in our early childhood. Because uh, I remember Oprah interviewing someone once and she just, you know, this person was talking about this kind of thing, how our early childhood affects who we are. So Oprah just went, oh, my God, she said, what you're telling me is we are all running around as like five-year-olds and seven-year-olds in these grown-up bodies. And I can't remember who she was interviewing, but the person said, yes. (laughs) Oh, that's an interesting take on it. (laughs) Because our early program creates who we think we are. Mm.
0: You know so now, now i've I've had another thought while you're talking is what about hypnosis how How big a part would that play in it as well because sometimes people like to go back to their childhoods during hypnosis yes um, I'm not yep. sure i' I haven't tried hypnosis before, but it sounds like it would be really interesting. Yeah, um, and and especially trauma uh, victims—people yes. who have had some major trauma in their in their lives—and I, I do a fair amount of, of work with um, uh, former police officers who have had, oh, trauma right. as well. And so, uh, quite a number of them have, have have got you know a lot that they oh, yes. need to deal with. Um, and so, would would hypnosis be a good um, maybe a, a adjunct or additional service to kinesiology or chiropractic or everything else, but as part of an alternative
1: therapy too. Yep, absolutely. I like hypnosis as well because it bypasses the, the thing I love about kinesiology and hypnosis is, is, similar is that it bypasses the conscious mind. Mm. So, and your conscious mind is what you are aware of. And we often, you'll hear people talking about it. There's the analogy of the iceberg and it 's only the little tip of the iceberg that sits above the water is is the part of our mind that we 're actually consciously aware of, because all our memories sit under the water, if you like in our unconscious mind or subconscious mind, and uh, we forget about them, we think like all those traumas, we think we 've dealt with them, but you 've really just learned how to survive them.
0: And so, with kinesiology, then, when you're working with someone, how how does it actually work so that you bring out all of the things that might have been repressed or suppressed, yes. um, and then release it so that people feel so much better?
1: What we do is uh, you lie on my little bed here because right beside me it's in my office, and um, you use the muscle testing. So I'm just going to try and get my hand up here. So I'll press on, and it's really using this little muscle. So I'll press on here. If I press on this and it stays strong, it doesn't, you know, go go weak. Then everything's okay. If if I press on this muscle and it goes weak, and it might be something I say, it might. Well, thing we'll test things like trauma, shock. Was there a threat? Is there dread in your life or a fear? So we go through those five things. We also look at fears, at habits and beliefs. We go through mental, emotional, physical. I've got lots of charts and lots of books and lists of lists and lists of things. And uh, we look for the combination of things that have have caused the stress in the body. So so many of us feel not good enough and we doubt ourselves. Yeah, I think we've all got different degrees of that. So that's an easy one to talk to. Um, but if we've learned in the in our early life that we're not good enough because one of our parents maybe was angry with us, or you know, maybe there was a breakup, or you know, dad left home, or all of these things, which are really so common these days, then as a child we feel we're not good enough. What did I do wrong? What was my fault? And we do that through that muscle testing. So particularly if a shock comes up, because a shock's quite instant, so then I'll, I'll just muscle test when did that happen. And you can literally use your muscle to go, was this between not and 5? And the muscle will go weak if it is, because that memory is stored in the subconscious mind. It's stored in the body. So, you know, it's amazing the information you can find. People look at me sometimes and go, oh my God, how do you know that? And I said, your body just told me. Oh, it's yes. all about the questioning it's trying to find the best question that's going to get you the most appropriate answer because we've all got lots of stresses
0: yeah and i think also so many people you, you tend to deny that there ever is a problem because everyone wants to be perfect yes <laughs>
1: we're all trying so hard <laughs>
0: trying so hard it's all fine it's all fine but then over time it just it, it, it it's like a building block you know like here's one brick then you put another one down then you put another- yes. another and if you get it early, you can knock down a few bricks. Oh, totally. The entire wall then cemented it in. Yes. 10, 20, 30, 40 years, however long it might be. Then that would require a lot of work. What, what, what would it be the most challenging situation that um, you've had to, uh, situation for a client that you've
1: had to work with? Probably one of the biggest common problems that across a lot of people is uh what, what we call their defense patterns it's like the ego or the false self the mask that we create to protect our fears and our hurt from our early days so if we go back to my example of say dad left home and you might be three or five or seven or really whatever age. And then that child feels so vulnerable, so hurt, so scared, so frightened and, and judging themselves. So they've got a lot of guilt and self-punishing behavior. They went, it must be my fault. You know, you hear it all the time in divorces that kids blame themselves. Mm-hmm. So any of these are, are very common. So if we use that as an example, then what that child often does is we create this mask or this false self and just a defense pattern to go, I'm not going to feel this anymore. I'm going to be big and strong or I'm going to be brave or I'm going to be better. And we constantly, we almost create this other self to protect the hurt. And then sometimes that really puts lots of bricks down, as you say. And we create these walls around our heart. So then I come along 20 or 30 years later and I say to the body, you know, we need to take these defences down because it takes a lot of energy to keep those defences up because we're protecting our heart. We don't want to be hurt anymore. We don't want to feel vulnerable. But the problem is in trying to put all the energy to keep those defences there, you're not actually being yourself. And, But to say to the unconscious mind, You've got to take this wall down. It's going, uh, no, thank you. That's keeping me safe. So, the challenge of getting to that wall and then slowly and gently teaching the person, and again, it's not consciously. I'll I'll bring up things with my clients all the time. They go, I don't remember that. But then they'll go, ah, yes, that makes sense. And I slowly and gently then start um, changing the body energy. You bring up the strength and and the feeling of being safe and secure and you'll say look you are now an adult the child felt scared but you're now grown up you have the resources to deal with this that the child didn't and we gently get that communication going between the conscious and the subconscious mind that then goes okay i'm ready to let this go
0: this is, I mean, it's, it's such powerful work that you do. And also so much of it is to do with acknowledging the past. Absolutely. Recognizing that yes. it's happened and think, yep. okay, it's now happened. Yep. I accept that it's happened. Yep. I might have liked it, but yep. it happened. there's nothing I can do to change it. And moving forward, this is how I choose yep. to react and act in my everyday yep. life. And. It's, but but until you know what it is, you can't... Really- you can't deal with it because
1: you've literally forgotten about it. You have blocked it away. I had a gorgeous young man here uh, earlier in the week and it was a perfect example of this. He's, uh, go- I think he's in, what, coming up towards HSC. And uh, I've seen him a couple of times. And sometimes it takes a few sessions before we the, even the subconscious mind will let you into the real core stuff. So his mom brought him because he had a lot of real anger outbursts and we dealt with it a little bit, a little bit, and then, and he was really good for a while and then it would come back again. I'd okay, there's a little bit more here. And we really got into it uh, this week. And it turned out that when he was about seven, his parents took him to see a psychologist. So I said, why were you taking him to see the psychologist? And they said, because we, we were worried that he had ADD. He wasn't doing very well at school. So this poor kid at seven years old had lost, and the parents said he lost it that day. He did not want to go to the psychologist. And it, what I find out when we go through into all the emotions and the, and the mental patterns that were going on, he was so upset with himself and felt so stupid and so vulnerable, and so scared. It was like, what is wrong with me? How can I be so stupid that they have to take me to a psychologist? What's wrong with me? You can imagine that churning that goes on in a young person. um, and, And that emotion that's so overwhelming that they kind of hate themselves. This is awful. I hate who I am. How can I be like this? So he created this ego. And it was partly to protect the child, but it was also partly to create the power in himself to go, you're not listening to me. You're not allowing me to make this decision. You're overriding my power. So all his power was taken away because his parents made him go. Mm -hmm. So I, and he was... (laughs) (laughs) He <laughs> told my bed and I said, "You've created this. You're not going to tell me what to do." You're, and he fights with his teachers. He fights with anyone in authority. He finds it. He finds it very difficult to be told what to do. Mm-hmm. And um, I said, "Is this all a bit weird?" And he said, "Yes, it is a bit weird that I was bringing all this stuff up." And he said, "But it absolutely makes sense." Mm-hmm.
0: And his mom's gone. You know what's what's so sad is is that. At the beginning, when the parents wanted him to get professional help for something that they were concerned about, yep. they must have been thinking they were doing him a good thing
1: oh absolutely and they it were must
0: have been out of love that they were sending of course. Him. and yeah. then the reaction yes perhaps the communication wasn't as clear as it could have been yeah they just take him there yeah. um, it would have caused all of this angst for so many years unnecessarily
1: and the effect that that would have on him for the rest of his life he's going to hit up against any any authority in his life until this is resolved. Mm. So that's why I love working with the teenagers particularly um, and just allowing them to resolve these things so early on. I mean, he's going to be such a gorgeous young man once all this is cleared. Mm. I had another <laughs> senior CEO, I think he was senior financial officer or, or CEO in Dubai. It was a great example. <clears throat> very successful man, very big, one of the Fortune 500 co- companies there. And his wife sent him to me again because of his anger. And we did a couple of sessions and we got on famously and we were clearing lots of things about his work and stuff like that. And then one day the anger stuff came up just because the body has its own priority and how it wants to heal. So often I'll find with clients, they give you little things to work on, like not consciously again, but through the muscle testing little, we clear that and we clear that and they feel better, but it takes a few sessions. Then the big stuff comes up. And um, I said to him, Oh, here we go. I said, You know, we we were just having a lovely chat and I said, this is the anger stuff coming up now. And his whole face changed and he just looked at me and he said, don't you dare touch my anger. And I was like really taken aback. And I said, what do you mean? He said, my anger gives me my power. He said, and don't you touch it. Don't you take it away. He said, that's where my success is. That's how I get stuff done. That's who I am and that's how I get to be the role that I have. And I just looked at him, I felt so sorry for him. And I said, wow, I said, there are so much nicer ways for you to be a powerful person without being angry. You know, power doesn't come from being aggressive and assertive. Power comes from knowing who you are and being really Absolutely. authentic,
0: you know. Absolutely, yeah.
1: But it, I that's think what he'd he, learned.
0: And that would have made him a much better leader. by way.
1: Absolutely.
0: Yeah. And realizing that he doesn't need to be intimidating and yes to lead. He yes. can be collaborative and and a warm, caring person. Yes. In, to be a le- in fact when we think about leaders, those those are the qualities that we prefer. Someone who leads from within rather than cracking. Totally. Them. Um, and intimidating others. So that would have been a very powerful realisation for him.
1: Absolutely. It really turned a lot of things around. And you know
0: what's so interesting is that so often when people have that barrier up, it's it it's because obviously it it's the protection mechanism yes, that they totally. have for yep. themselves. And the protection is there because they think that they're not good enough. Yep. Without it. Yeah. You know, interesting it, it makes me, me think of um I was working with a client once who was a career transition client and was having challenges getting through to the second round of interviews and it was this self-doubt that they had mm-hmm. and um what what I ended up doing was because you know we talk about it time and time again it kept coming up and so I created a meditation because you know I've, I like to podcast and record and and I've got quite a soporific voice anyway. Yes, you so do. people to sleep so easily <laughs> <laughs> (laughs) But but so I created this meditation. It was all with positive affirmations and to do with you are enough Yes. and let the universe embrace you because you are loved and you are enough. And you know what was so interesting was, was that it made such a difference to him. And he goes, you know, I, I listened to it once a day and it sets them up for the day and so I thought I'd just release it you know onto YouTube and and within the podcast and I've had so many people just listen and then email me or call me and say thanks so much and I'm not even promoting it but it's it's obviously something that people need a few minutes of peace to realize that it's okay to be who they are
1: absolutely yeah. absolutely Because yeah. well, so many people are afraid to be their authentic selves because they're afraid it's yeah. not enough the not enough stuff is so common
0: yeah yeah and it's and it's so interesting because what it's it's we don't need to do this to ourselves i daily, know daily. i know but so many people do do yes. yeah yeah and one now, of the guys Oh, and so well, I'm, I'm just thinking when you're working with your clients, and they they reach you know a phase where they feel ah that relief or release or acceptance. Accepted. Yes,
1: it is. It's accepting who they yeah. really are.
0: Yeah, yeah, and and yeah. I mean, no matter who you are, the way you are, everything is is actually it's okay as long as you're aware of it. Yes, and you can move forward. So, if someone was going to to work with you, how do your sessions work? Tell us about
1: that. Uh I, I generally recommend, I, I'm quite happy for people to have a session and um, see if they like it or they don't like it. There's a few people whose kind of it's a little bit too much for them. I'll bring up stuff from their past, but they're um, not quite sure that they're ready for that. Not everybody's ready to look at their stuff, <laughs> but um, I generally recommend at least three uh, or five sessions. And some people will also, once they have done a few, they go, they sign up for eight You know, because it's a journey and it's a commitment to themselves and it's a commitment to really get to know who they are and to understand how they really tick and what is it in their past or maybe even their fears of their future that's making them do things or not do things that they really want to do. So it's that conflict between, um, you know, it's a classic of if you, you know, when we decide to go on a diet suddenly we find biscuits in the shopping trolley and we, you know, or you join the gym and then you never go. So when there's that part of you that really wants to do something, but there's another part of you that goes, oh, I don't think so. And to resolve those conflicts, but it takes time, you know, yeah. uh, but the difference within about three sessions, you'll notice a big change. Mm,
0: there must be a great
1: feeling of lightness. Absolutely. And people will say to me, I don't know what you've done, because sometimes it's a bit abstract. uh, And they'll say, I don't quite know what you've done, but life is easier. I just feel better and I I can't put my finger on it. But it comes back to them relaxing, trusting themselves and just being more comfortable with who they are. Mm.
0: I think the work that you do, Maureen, is such important work and that we need to tell people where to find you. So what's your website?
1: It's called self Centered dot and people think the name's funny and it, well I think nowadays people are getting it much more because we are much more aware of self-awareness and the new age mm-hmm. stuff so, and
0: practicing self-care
1: exactly mm-hmm. you know people you say self-centered you don't want people to be self-centered and I went no you need people to be self-centered we need to come from ourselves mm-hmm. and we need to connect with who we are Mm-hmm. You know, so also, it's so celebrated.
0: much about you know, putting on the oxygen mask before you help anybody else. Absolutely. You yourself first, yes. otherwise you're no good to anybody.
1: Yeah. yeah, because as we've said, you can't go out in the world and try to prove you're okay to someone else when you doubt yourself. So all the work is with self. Mm-hmm. And once you've learned to accept yourself and love yourself and know who you are and know what you want, then you can go out into the world and create whatever you want.
0: Yeah, and you know what? It makes such a difference because it gives people that very strong presence because you can tell when yes. people are okay with themselves. Yes. Yes. They walk down the street and you think, oh, you know, they 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 look pretty confident, but it's a real confidence, it's yes, like bravado type yes. Of confidence. And I think most people who are are very self centred. I'm I'm just thinking of you, like Gandhi. Yes. <laughs> For yes. Example, very centred with self. Yes. Has this power that emanates without having to absolutely stomp and bang and do all of these other things. It's just knowing knowing who you are and what's so important. Uh, Absolutely.
1: I think think the work that
0: you do through self-centered and kinesiology is is really important work. Now, what I'm going to do, Maureen, is to put um, your links into my show notes on janejacksapproach.com so people can find you easily. And you also have a special offer for
1: listeners, don't you? Yes. Mm. Anyone that wants to come and have a chat with me um, and find to have, so it's a personal chat and find out what I can do for them, I'm happy to do a 20-minute, it, consultation and I'd love to hear your story, hear what you're struggling with, and then find out whether you think um, kinesiology. We can do it over Skype or over Zoom, whatever you like. If you're local, absolutely come and see me, but don't make that a hurdle that you can't come and see me. I'm, I can just as easily do it um, through uh, Skype or um, Zoom.
0: Yeah, and that works so well, just like we're doing today. We're having a yeah. Zoom interview. Yep. And I conduct all of my one-on-one coaching via Zoom, and i has got my got my coffee here. Yes, <laughs> and we can work away. Have a coffee catch-up. Yeah, and that's I been love it. Such, such an interesting chat, and and you've really come full circle from Ireland to Australia, <laughs> yes, from from hospitality to yep. dollying, and you know we're going to have to dig through some old photos. Yes, see if we, I we bet we've been what together. What's your maiden name, McKay? McKay, oh, and yours? I have to look through Jackson. I've, Jackson, I, oh, okay. I was, Jackson, then I became Stuart and now I'm back to Jackson. Jackson again. Even though I've remarried I've decided because I'm so empowered, Maureen. Yes. So good empowered good. that I'm being <laughs> my own name. just uh, despite who you are. my husband being a wonderful, wonderful person, I just <laughs> my own name. <laughs> yeah. So there you go. Good. Well thank you so much. It's such a pleasure talking to you. We'll have that to was talk lovely. That later on in the year as well and so. find out more about what you can do. But I think this is a really valuable episode for people to to realise that you know if you are feeling a bit stuck, um yeah. obviously if, if it's an emotional feeling of being stuck, then kinesiology will definitely help you. And Absolutely. And between us, actually, we should, we should partner up because I help people to get unstuck in their careers. You help people to get unstuck in their head. It's, and yes. um, and their hearts. The, they, can, they can conquer the world, can't they? <laughs> Absolutely. <laughs> oh, lovely. Beautiful. Well, such a pleasure chatting to you. Thank you so much,
1: more And you. Thank you, Jane. It's been lovely. <laughs> Bye.
0: If you'd like to find out how coaching can help you, visit janejacksoncoach.com, where not only will you be able to listen to other fascinating interviews from professionals who've made amazing career changes, you'll also be able to download some free ebooks and guides on how to manage your career effectively. You've
1: been listening to Jane Jackson Careers. Sign up to receive regular career advice at janejacksoncoach.com.
0: if you enjoyed this episode of your career podcast, I invite you to check out my career success program at thecareersacademy.online. The career success program is the original program that uniquely provides 24-7 on-demand career support and fortnightly live career coaching sessions to keep you on track to reach your career goals. It is the essential resource for anyone who wants to manage their career effectively, make a career change and land the job they'll love.